welcome to the Horrible Things Podcast. This is a true crime and disaster podcast where we talk about all things horrible, whether it be a building collapsing, whether it be a serial killer, just all things that would just make you cringe. (laughs) My name is Emma and I am the host of this podcast and today I'm joined by Chase. Chase Okamura. Boy, you haven't been on this podcast in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I I went on your Spotify and I saw there's a lot more episodes since I came on last time. So, yes, this is episode 32, I think. Oh my. Literally wild. Like I don't know how that happened because I just feel like I I realized around I think it was episode uh, I can't even remember, episode 25 or something like that. I was like, "Wow, I've been like working on this thing for like 6 months." And then it does not feel like it feels like just yesterday we were doing the Ted Bundy episode, yeah, which is like the first episode of this entire thing. Yeah, that'll haunt my memories for a very long time. <laughs> the fact none is, of us knew what we were doing. They sneak into our, my head sometimes. I just remember that if when I stare at a disabled guy, I was like, "Wow, that guy could be faking it." Could be faking it to get me into his car. Yeah, I guess maybe so. he doesn't really need my help putting his sailboat away. <laughs> No, honestly, it's just it is weird, like how fast the time has passed, because I w- I actually listened to um, the Chernobyl episode the other day because yeah. I was just like I was doing this project for my physics class about like nuclear physics. And I remember that we had like talked a bunch about explaining what happens in like a nuclear attack yeah. in layman's terms. And I was like, oh, I'm not as smart as I was then. I should go back and listen to myself. So I went back and I was like listening to it. And I was like, man, this was, we were like so much younger. Look at us now done with our first semester of college. And back then we hadn't even heard back from colleges we were applying to. You know what I mean? Yeah. We were kind of just like floating around at that point. Yeah. I can still like remember precisely the day i remember like you and caitlin came over and you had just listened to the my favorite murder episode of ted bundy yeah like the beginning of it and i I just remember you like we watched um the final like the last 20 minutes of the zach efron ted bundy movie yeah and i was i it's just weird like thinking of how far it's come you know yeah crazy yeah all those posts on insta of the girls fantasizing over zach that was a little mess Okay, you know the, um, I saw, don't judge me, but I saw the funniest TikTok the other day. Oh, God. Where, you know, um, you know, Hairspray, the musical? Yeah. You know the movie of that musical? Um, it, it, like, it has Zac Efron in it. Oh, and yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, so you know how at the top of that musical, there's like a number where they're like, I'm Taylor. And they all like say their names. Yeah. So at the very end of that number, it goes, and I'm, and then Zac Efron does a twirl and it goes, Link. And I was listening to this TikTok and it was like, I'm Taylor, Tammy, Amber, and I'm, and it turned around and he was like, Ted Bundy. <laughs> and, I, and I just didn't stop laughing because it was like this guy who was just wanting to do like the regular intro to Hairspray and then oh Zach Efron turns around and it's like, and I'm Ted Bundy instead of Link. <laughs> I literally could not stop laughing oh for like gosh. a solid hour. I should put that somewhere because that TikTok is hilarious. <laughs> Have you like, I wanted to ask you this question because you haven't been on in a while, but I wanted to know, um, have you like been involved in any true, well, hopefully not involved, but have um, you like well, watched or listened to any true crime things since you were last on the podcast or like how has it? Um, I don't, I don't think I have, but I still have memories of the podcast come into my head sometimes. Yeah. So you're yeah. still pretty much just like a podcast or like when it's on. Yeah. Honestly, it's like you need a catalyst to get into it. That's for sure. Yeah. No one just like one day is like, I'm going to look up some stuff I about I really murder. need to know how Ted Bundy attracted these brown haired girls. <laughs> but um, today we're actually going to be covering a pretty interesting case. Um, we're going to be covering the case of Amber Hagerman. Have you ever heard of this? No, but I guess the first name sounds familiar. Go on. Okay. So, um... So Amber Hagerman was nine years old when she was living your face right now. I told you this is not going to be a pleasant one. I mean, the the age doesn't even have two digits in it. So, yeah, that's. Thank you for coming back on the podcast. Here's child murder. <laughs> oh, God. 
So Amber Hagerman was nine years old and living in Arlington, Texas. She was like pretty much what you would imagine like a typical nine-year-old girl to be. She uh, was in Girl Scouts and she had a brother who was four years younger than her named Ricky. Mm -hmm. And they like rode bikes around and hung out and they were just like normal kids. Kind of interesting because this takes place in the 90s, like 1996 is when this crime actually occurs. And it's just interesting because like times have really changed about how kids were allowed to play with guns. No, no. It's more so just like how kids were able to just do things on their own. Okay. Yeah. And now yeah, that's like not a thing whatsoever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like how people sense. call about talk about um latchkey kids. Um do you know what that, that is? A little bit. So it's like kids in the eighties where they would like basically it's just a blanket term for kids in the eighties who their parents were like the type who basically would just be like okay, it's 3 p.m. now, just be back by 9. Oh, and these, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. kids under 10 would just, like, wander around. My mom was a latchkey kid. Like, literally, they had, like, one of the latchkeys on their door. And it was, like, she would she carried around her key as, like, a necklace when she was, like, six years old. It was, like, a little necklace oh that she gosh. wore around. And her mom would just be, like, see you in five hours. And she was, like, seven years old. And it was just completely wow. normal. Wow. So, latchkey kids. <laughs> and it was still kind of like that in the 90s. So, um... Her and her little brother, Ricky, and their parents were in Arlington, Texas to meet up with their grandparents. Um, their grandparents' last name was Whitson. So if you hear me refer to a Whitson, it's their grandparents. Got it. And they were hanging out with their grandchildren. And on December 12th, 1996, uh, Ricky and Amber asked if they could go ride their bikes around because they were at their grandparents' house and they just were like, chilling you know hanging out doing what kids do so they were like let's let's ride our bikes okay so obviously their parents like were like sure go ahead go ahead it was like 3 p.m so really you don't consider anything bad happening at like 3 p.m in this small town in texas so their mom told them not to go further than like a block away from the house but they actually went to this abandoned grocery store which was about like two blocks away from their grandparents house okay. it was called the Winn dixie grocery store so Ricky, who was only five years old at the time uh, that this had happened, got worried because he was like thinking about the fact that his mom told him not to go farther than a block, but they'd gone two. Oh and Amber gosh. was kind of just like, it's going to be fine. But in the end, Ricky ended up riding his bike back home because he was nervous about getting in trouble with his mom. But oh. when he got back, his family asked where Amber had gone. And so he told them that he had left and she was still at this grocery store. And so they sent Ricky out to go get his sister and then come back to the house. Yeah. Because they were like, okay, we <laughs> only have one kid. A little bit concerning. They obviously weren't super worried at this time, though, because if they were actually like concerned for her safety at this time, they probably would have gone themselves to like get her. But at this time, they just thought, oh, Ricky came back early and she's probably still just riding her bike around. Yeah. However, when Ricky headed back to the grocery store, he, Amber was like nowhere to be found. He couldn't see her. He couldn't find anything. But after he was like riding around for a while, he went back to his grandparents' house and he told his grandpa what had happened. His grandpa obviously gets in his car right away, goes to the grocery store. And little did he know that at the time that this was happening, when he was like driving to the grocery store... Uh, the police had already gotten a call from this guy named Jim Kevill, who's like this older man. Mm -hmm. uh, and he had said that he looked over like across his yard and he could see into the parking lot. And he saw that there was a blue truck and that someone had pulled up in a blue truck, forced Amber off her bike and pulled her into the truck and oh driven away. Yeah. And all that was left like near the grocery store was Amber's bike. She was like nowhere to be found. And that in this truck he drove like west toward the like where you'd get out of arlington mm -hmm. and he she was just nowhere to be found so completely like random attack because obviously that's another thing that was like really scary about this case is that obviously like no abductor could have known that amber would be yeah, there you nobody know I mean? watches the parking lot like that there's could have been like a neighbor or something yeah and she was visiting her grandparents so it's not like oh this is a frequent spot that these kids would go to so yeah. like it couldn't have been someone who was stalking it really was just like a crime of opportunity like someone saw her alone riding her bike and she looked small so they just ran up and abducted her yeah 
How crazy is that? Isn't that's, that terrifying? Yeah, that's actually really scary. Yeah, I honestly find crimes of opportunity sometimes to be even scarier than crimes that are like pre-planned because it's because just like there's something psychological in their head that just flips like you have an opportunity and you take it. Yeah. Because it's not like you wanted to do it in the first place. You could be completely normal. Yeah, it's kind of the difference between honestly an interesting person who's in between was kind of Ted Bundy because he would never kill a person that he knew. Like he didn't Mm -hmm. spend weeks and weeks waiting for his victims and watching them and trying to like track their patterns or anything. It was really just like who's around. Yeah. Who's the woman that's around that fits the victim I want. Yeah. And then it's a crime of opportunity. He was so good at what he was doing. He got the opportunity to start being picky almost. Yeah. And so I think this is kind of more similar to that in the sense of clearly this is just a person who like has some sort of mental issue or is like some sort of sadist and just saw a little girl pedaling around and just thought, oh, well, let me just grab her off her bike and didn't even consider. Like, obviously, it's like 3 p.m. It's broad daylight. There's people out and around. There's this neighbor who sees everything that happens like this wasn't trying to be slick. But again, keep in mind, this is the 90s. So like there's no real real thing in place for them to be protected. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And another thing is that this parking lot that they were in, lots of kids would go there because it had like this ramp that the kids would use for to ride their bikes on because it was like a you know cool fun thing like a little bike ramp. Yeah. <laughs> and so kids would be over here all the time. So you know even though this particular thing was a crime of opportunity, it was well known that like here's an area where kids will hang out without their parents. Huh. Was that information like? You keep going, keep going. Okay, so it's like, because I'm just thinking, like, if someone lived there, they would probably know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. So, if- so after they, um, after Amber was abducted, there was really, like, basically the police right away figured, okay, so Amber was kidnapped by a complete stranger. Because the only people that she, like, knew that were around, what, what, give me your thoughts. What is your... Wait, is this where the Amber alert came from? Yes. <laughs> You spoiled the end, but yes. No, no, I'm okay with it. But (laughs) I'll get more into like how that came about. But yeah, this is the Amber that Amber Alert is named after. Okay. Although technically it stands for something else. It's like because of this case that we got the Amber Alert. Got it. So she was kidnapped by a stranger. And like, like I said, only this one older guy had witnessed the abduction, Mm -hmm. but they had like no leads. There was nowhere they could go with it. And uh, there's this, these statistics about... So after like the 24 hour mark, I think it's a child's chance of survival of an abduction drops by like 50% or something like that. Something crazy. Uh, Not to mention that like once a kid is moved from the location they were initially kidnapped in, their chances of survival like hugely decrease just because and I'm not like not going to admit that I learned that fact at first from a John Mulaney stand up comedy bit, but I did. But yeah, it's like the um, once a kid is moved to like a second location, their chances of survival like hugely decrease because after the 24 hour mark, they're pretty much like, okay, usually the kidnapper won't keep these kids alive for that long, which is horribly morbid. But this opportunistic killer just grabbed Amber out of like out of thin air pretty much and all that was heard was that she was screaming and kicking as she was grabbed by this guy who uh Jim described as a white or Hispanic male aged 24 to 40 under six feet tall with a medium build so it's just like completely there the police have nothing to go on like Mm -hmm. these abductions by people that the family doesn't know are like very difficult to solve because it's just completely like there, there's no leads and they didn't leave any like fingerprints or anything obviously because yeah. they had just grabbed her and driven away mm-hmm. and the only thing that they had was that it was a blue pickup truck yeah but um sadly four days after amber had been kidnapped there was a man walking his dog in the park late at night and he found her body in a creek <sighs> behind the forest hills apartments oh which gosh. is an apartment complex that was like five miles away from the abandoned grocery store parking lot and after they did an autopsy, they found out that Amber had been alive for two days after she'd been kidnapped, but that she'd been beaten and sexually assaulted 
before whoever kidnapped her finally slit her throat and threw her into that creek. Nine years old. So because there was like, obviously she was found in a creek, so there's not much like forensic evidence that could be found off of her body. The only thing that they knew was that when she'd been tossed in, she didn't have any clothes on except for one sock and that pretty much all the forensic evidence was washed away by the fact by how long she'd been in that creek because she was kept alive for two days. So she'd been in the creek for longer than a day. And there was also a storm which happened like the night before she was found. And because of that, there was way more water in the creek, Mm -hmm. which ran over her body. So they were unable to find like any evidence at all. Uh. Yeah. So basically Amber's killer, like they kind of assume that he had committed similar crimes because i mean you have to think about the fact that okay someone who like would has the confidence to pull up into a parking lot and grab a kid and then keep them captive for two days before killing them and to think to throw their body in a creek and just the person that would do that it doesn't seem like this is someone who like this is their first crime yeah you know what i mean it just it's definitely somebody who probably has a history of some sort of violence in their past because usually people that do violent crimes have histories of other violent crimes like i don't know if we've talked about this before but people most of the time people that um commit murder or like other violent crimes like rape usually have a history of like stealing in their background yeah that makes sense so smaller petty crimes leads to these bigger and bigger crimes Mm -hmm. in almost every case except for a lot of the serial killers you hear about yeah but in just like in murders that aren't linked to serial killers it usually starts with smaller crimes so amber's killer probably had already committed a bunch of crimes but because there was no forensic evidence and because it was a kidnapping by a stranger and because there's only one witness amber's murder is still unsolved like to this day this murder that happened in 1996 and one of the things that was found out later i i can't remember where i heard this or where i read this but i did read about this case that um she there was a couple people who like afterward when after they found her body they went back and like tried to look through security tapes from the Winn Dixie grocery store and everything mm-hmm. and they found out that there was probably a period of time where right after she was kidnapped Amber was being dragged through another store by this guy and he had parked his truck out front and there he was, she was just like walking around with him and if anyone had known about like what happened you know that there had been a kidnapping she probably would have been easily found yeah you know what i mean so So he just walked around with her yeah at first that's terrifying because if you're the little girl you literally can't see anything but if she would have known better in public then she probably could have said something and somebody would have stopped her but she probably must have been so psychologically messed up yeah and it's just like I don't think that people were paying attention. You know what I mean? Like, like, hold on. This kind of links to another thing I'm about to say. But um, there's so after Amber's murder, like, which was made very, very public, it was nationwide news. Obviously, when a child goes missing and is then found murdered and it's unsolved, it becomes big, like nationwide news. So in another part of Texas, this woman named Diana Simone, she lived in Fort Worth. uh, She didn't know Amber's family at all she actually contacted a local radio station and she was like so tell me why it is that you guys can send out alerts to everyone and on every radio station when there's a massive storm coming Mm -hmm. or when there's like some sort of weather alert but you can't send out an alert when a child is kidnapped yeah because she had this uh, like this whole speech about how she talked about the fact that if somebody would it's not that people like couldn't have found her it's not that people weren't looking it's that they didn't know what they should be looking for yeah definitely because the information that he drove a dark blue truck only was never pol- it was only for the police yeah no one knew like what they were supposed to be looking for and no one even knew like what she looked like or anything besides her family and once it was broadcast on tv people knew but by that point it was too late you know yeah so she was like she started this whole campaign about questioning why the community had no idea about like what the suspect and remember this guy literally witnessed it and said oh yeah it's this guy a little under six foot probably white or hispanic and he has like a medium build and Mm. none of that information was released either 
you know? Yeah. But perhaps if it was, she said, then people would have looked twice if they saw a guy with this little girl who matched that description and had that truck. It's just no one knew. So no one could help. So she makes this whole, like, Diana Simone, no, again, had no idea who this family was. She makes this whole, like, campaign to the radio station about how it was wrong that they had never, like, talked about this before, that they had never, like, even considered this because mm-hmm. it really could have saved a child's life. And so because of that, the radio started what's called the Amber Alert program. And obviously, Amber is named for Amber Hagerman. Yeah. But um, her grandparents also, like, this wasn't the end of the Amber Alert program. It wasn't just the radios. Obviously, this is a nationwide thing now. I mean, I got an Amber Alert like two days ago. But um, her grandparents testified in front of Congress in 1996 and asked the legislators of Congress to create a registry for sex offenders nationwide. And actually, one of the congressmen, um, his name was Martin Frost, he talked about creating this thing called an Amber Hagerman Child Protection Act, which actually was one of the, one of the sections of that bill is what created the National Sex Offender Registry. Mm-hmm. And that's that website that shows you all the, the flagged um, houses. Actually, that's another... I, I'll have to get you back on to talk about this another time, but there's actually... So there was the registry, but the law that makes it so that you have the right to know like who in your neighborhood is a sex offender mm-hmm. is because of another case where a child was killed because there were sex offenders living across the street from them wow. and the parents didn't know and no one knew so they allowed them to go into the house and then the child was killed and wow. that created it's really sad but you have to think about all these i mean we talked about kitty genovese on this um on this podcast before and about how her death was what created like nine one one. So behind every like great safety procedure that we have today is like a death yeah. usually. Mm-hmm. And so it's really like, it's good that we have these things, but it's tragic that like no one would have thought maybe we should let people like have everyone be on the lookout if there's an Amber yeah. Alert. Like maybe, maybe we should have everyone be on the lookout for if someone gets kidnapped. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was just never thought of until something provoked it. So... For two years after Amber passed away, there were alerts made to every like radio station that was participating in Amber Alert, but like most people did it because why not? <laughs> and then in 1998, there was this foundation called the Child Alert Foundation, which created the first like automated thing so that when like so that they could send out mass reports of like, I mean, obviously now we get them to our phones, but back then it was mostly like send it to the radio, send it Mm -hmm. to the TV so that everyone could get these Amber Alerts and like know what they were looking for. And they also posted it on the internet because it was the 90s and this was like kind of the first time they were experimenting with that. Yeah. So because of the Amber Alert with this automatic technology, um, in 2002, the Amber Alert like became even bigger than it was in the 90s uh, because... There were kind of there was this um, there was this company that didn't want to participate in Amber Alerts, and because of that, uh, because they didn't want to participate, it raised this like national question about like, okay, so is this something like the government should be involved in more? Like, should we make it so that the Amber Alert system is like more of a nationally regulated regulated thing? And they did. They decided to nationally regulate it. So. Now the Amber Alert program is used in all 50 U.S. states as well as um, all of our territories in the United States and also in 22 other countries all adapted. Oh, wow. All use Amber Amber Alert systems now, which was first created because of Amber Hagerman. Yeah. And because of Amber Alerts, uh, there have been a total of, and this is in 2017, but there have been a total of 897 children who have been rescued from abduction because of the Amber Alert wow. system. Like confirmed 897. I've never heard of the statistics before, so that's really good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is it's good to hear that like it actually, you know, it does some good. Yeah. It's not just like I don't know, maybe it's just me, but sometimes I feel like I fall into the trap of just being like, ah, an Amber Alert. Yeah. You know, when it and I know I shouldn't do that cuz I I don't I know I don't think about the fact that when I get that alert to my phone, it's so easy to just like swipe it out, clear it mm-hmm. or like exit. I don't think about like what it actually means is that like 
there's a family panicking and like there is a kid who's been kidnapped like I don't think about that when I get that alert to my phone but honestly like reading about this case and thinking about Amber's family and the fact that kids have died because this wasn't in place it makes me feel like now I'm going not just gonna like swipe out of yeah, it definitely. you know what I mean I'm gonna change how I how I view these a lot yeah because I just think about the fact that if I'm if I'm swiping out of them, I know that there's probably tons of other people who just swipe out of them too. Mm-hmm. But it's like 897 kids have been saved from this. Yeah. Like and this is a big deal. And they target what area you're in. So if they have a Huntington Beach um, Amber Alert, you know they're driving around. So just look outside, I guess. Yeah, I feel like I got one two days ago that was from like Irvine. Yeah. or something and it was like there's a gold honda yeah, yeah i remember that did you one get too. that one too mm-hmm. yeah it was like and honestly it was getting that amber alert that made me want to like do this case really? on the podcast because i was like you know i've heard about this case before but i just feel like it's something that people don't necessarily consider like i never considered that amber was an actual person yeah before reading about this case at all you know what i mean mm-hmm. And technically, Amber Alert stands for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response, but really it's named for Amber. They just like came up with words to go with her name. They could have made it up after anything. Yeah. So um, kind of like a little bit of resolution, but not a ton, obviously. Um, Amber's mom, Donna Williams, has talked about the fact that she calls the implementation of the Amber Alert system bittersweet, but she just like is always constant like it's constantly a reminder of what happened to her kid and also just the fact that like she's talked about how she wonders what would have happened if maybe if there had been an amber alert if it had been considered yeah before amber had been kidnapped if she could have been brought back alive that's really hard to live with yeah and but she does also talk about the fact that she's really thankful for every like missing kid that's brought back because of the amber alert system but Mm. unfortunately like Amber's case is still unsolved. It's still a cold case, like even today, and it's been more than 20 years. Yeah. And it's unlikely that her murderer will will ever be found. So it is just like a, it's tragic that this great thing had to spring out of such a tragedy. Like that could have probably easily been avoided. Yeah. If we had only thought of these things. You know what I mean? We we have the technology, even in the 1990s, it's just somebody something big has to happen for anything to change yeah truly there's actually there's so many of these cases where it's like you can go through um the laws on like like there's this thing called a walsh code where it's like if a kid gets kidnapped in a grocery store there's like a code they use and all this stuff where it's like you can go back to all these laws all these safety laws and like all these great things we have now and almost every single one of them you can locate okay here's the root case that like because this person mm-hmm. this kid had to die to get this you know what i mean and this like, is sparked off of it yeah so it's just like horrible things happening can sometimes create something that overall is good because yeah. it's just a bummer like you just think about it why can't we just like not kidnap people? yeah i know it's not you that I mean? hard like just they're playing just let them play bro it's not that hard to not take them just leave them <laughs> It's not that hard to not take them. Yeah, seriously. But yeah. Um, so Amber's case, like we were saying, is still a cold case. And actually, to this day, the lead investigator on the case, his name is Ben Lopez. Mm-hmm. He There's a $10,000 reward still today for anyone who can give information leading to Amber's killer's arrest. And his phone number is 817-459-5373. And he's like still extremely committed so like chasing that's, down every single lead still over 20 years after Amber's passed away. That's because they they're very um I don't know, committed to finding her murderer. Yeah, no, I'd be not the happiest if this happened, so definitely. Um the investigators, do they um is it just people at the police station? Yeah, people in Arlington, Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Their police station. So they're detectives with the um, Tarrant County Crime Stoppers. Got it. Yeah. But it just like, it just makes me think like, I feel that 
probably after the Amber Alert was creative, people also like got more educated about the fact that kids get kidnapped a lot. Like it happens more often than you would think it would. I feel like I get an Amber Alert probably like once every three months. And yeah, it doesn't like seem like a lot when you say once every three months, but just think about like how a person's life can change so fast yeah. because of like one thing that happens and then it seems like a lot, you know, and that's just in our area. So I feel like maybe also the Amber Alert contributed to like not just not saying that this is at all Amber's parents' fault, but I feel like it just contributed to like parents being more cautious Yeah, no, 100%. with like when they let their kids go. I mean, I know my little brother, he's in middle school now, but he wasn't allowed to like ride his bike to the park by himself until like last year. And he still has to like be gone at a certain time and then he comes back at a certain time. He can only go during the daytime and like he obviously kids nowadays have grown up with like stranger danger like don't talk to anyone don't talk to people offering you anything like it's very much changed in culture I think this country has. Yeah I don't think I'd let my kid go out till probably what your parents have done as well is it's Jack how can you let him do that. Yeah you know in um in this neighborhood, actually, in my neighborhood, a couple years ago, I feel like it was maybe four or five years ago, there was um, this guy who was driving around in his car and um, these two girls who I actually still know were playing in their driveway, mm-hmm. literally two streets away from here. And this random guy pulled up in their driveway and tried to force them into the car. Wow. And uh, their parents came out and like screamed at him and like called the police but it was just like for a while there was this one pedophile who literally would drive around in his car and try to pull kids into his car off the street in my neighborhood and i just remember being like terrified that's for jack because i was like okay i'm in middle school like i feel like i don't really play outside that much anymore you know i'm kind of like a recluse in my room but my little brother was playing outside all the time and i'm like how can i be sure that someone's not just gonna come and grab him yeah i would be so i would literally sit outside on my porch while he was playing because i was so worried that like something was gonna happen and it's just it's people like, shouldn't have to worry about this yeah no it's a really sad situation but i do think that although it is a lot more like fearful of a culture i do think that it has changed for the better that people are more aware and more frankly more scared of what could happen to their kids if they just let them go because i think probably a lot of lives have been saved like now that people i heard someone put it this way once now that people actually care about what happens to kids because you think about like in even in like the 40s and 50s it was just like kids were just like you could have more of them it was kind of just like they were there and they weren't as like important as adults or anything like that like they're they weren't as important to make sure you knew where they were going and that they were safe all the time yeah but now it's flipped on its head i think everyone is like no one lets their kid just go wherever do whatever Mm -hmm. you know yeah i mean that's what life 360 is all about (laughs) (laughs) do your parents have life 360 no yeah my my parents don't either but um they they used to when I was in middle school. They used to track my phone. I think I'd, I'd, yeah, probably do middle school, but probably do it like through a watch or something. So it isn't as intrusive. I don't know. Do you think you would, what do you think when you, when we get older? Okay, think about this. How much the, from the 90s to today, mm-hmm. like strictness about kids has, how much it's changed? How much do you think it'll, like, what do you think and how much do you think it'll change, like, when we're adults? I wonder about this sometimes. Um, the culture right now is moving very quickly. Um, Kid-wise, stupid, the Zoomers, I mean, the, the Gen Zers <laughs> don't want to have any kids, but I still think people are going to be very cautious because since the press is always releasing cases about abductions or just harassment cases people will still always be very aware and scared of things happening. So I feel like the um, nervousness of child abduction is going to stay near the same it is now, but maybe a little laid back when it goes in the future. Yeah, I also wonder if maybe now people are less likely to commit abductions because you're so much more likely to be caught. Yes, I was also thinking about that too, because if you're, 
for all you predators out there who get amber alerts on your phone um that would probably motivate you less and also like everyone has a ring or like you know what that is yeah like everyone has a camera by their door now it's like they have cameras and then also tracking what do you think about chipping your kid what i'm pretty sure that's a thing chipping your kid like surgically yeah i'm pretty sure no that's that's not right i'm sorry that that is not right that is just weird. Yeah. That's so wrong. But I think it might be a thing in the future because like they're shipping your dogs, which I'm sure there's activists <laughs> I've never for. heard of that either. Wait, for location? Yeah, I've never heard really? of this. Well, it's Explain. A, so pretty much, I mean, it's just like anything. It's like a, like the tracking thing on your Apple Watch. And when do they do this? It's when they're young. You can do it any anytime, honestly, but they do it when they're young so you can get the most out of it. They chip it, so some of them have tracking, and then some of them just have data. This is surgically embedded, so say in their wrist, so when a first responder comes up to them, they have like a RFID reader. They run it by their wrist, and it has all their information on it. I'm sorry, but I just don't... I don't like that. Yeah, no, I think it's That's pretty, a little scary. <laughs> it's a little inhumane, but as technically technolo- technology goes on... I feel like we might start to accept it because we accepted smart home, like we accepted smart devices and people feared it. Remember in, what is it, big uh, 1984? Yeah. With the TVs that watched you? Like p- people thought- We're okay with that now? <laughs> no, we are. <laughs> Hello, Mr. FBI man. <laughs> no, I'm serious. We accepted smart devices and then there's other, um, I don't know, the tracking devices we have, we carry in our pockets, the cameras that are watching us all the time. We accepted those. So yeah. how fast we're moving? Honestly, I think chipping kids, our kids <laughs> might be like a actual thing. I hope not. Yeah, I hope I not to too. I, I feel like smartwatches and stuff are fine how we are. Yeah, but... I agree. Or like how if you click the home button on your on someone's iphone like a bunch of times you yeah. can easily like set up a medical id so that if you oh first yes responder is coming, I, I remember it's like your you have two options that. call 911 or put you can pull up your medical id mm-hmm. so they can like see what you need whatever yeah but i yeah that's scary to me i saw this article in the washington post the other day i think it was maybe it was the new york times but they like got this hacker guy to um hack into the car one of their cars to <laughs> see like how much information cars that have like computers in oh them are storing gosh. they like store everything where you no go clue. like they track your your current locations like the places that you go most often you're like they know everything what music you play where you go where your house is where your school is like everything i think that's i have a pretty different perspective about how people are taking the smart devices because i'm completely fine with having an alexa in my house because i i I trust that they aren't going to steal my information but the car tracking thing i think it's good that not that many people know about it because the amber alert thing if you're driving somewhere and they can remotely access your information which i'm sure they can and we don't even know about it definitely can then, then that would be great for gps tracking and phone tracking like if the guy has a phone on them they could probably yeah track the guy this um the car hacking like there's certain cars where you can hack into them and control how it drives Mm. by like remotely hacking into the car and you can like make the brakes go on or make the brakes not work once i heard about the autonomous tesla driving i was just thinking about how a hacker could literally just make you drive 90 off the freeway yeah that's so terrifying to me yeah you want to know an interesting fact about car deaths what just popped in my mind i heard this on a malcolm gladwell podcast um most of the people when their uh when their car starts speeding up and going out of control i think it's some statistic like three out of five people whose cars start speeding up and going out of control never think to press on the brakes that actually before their car like goes off a hill that or actually makes sense though because i guess you get sent into like panic mode but I thought you were going to say that three out of five were remotely controlled. No, it's just, it's just interesting, like how I guess it's kind of the same as in like an abduction case where it's like people get so stressed about like you only have the 24 hours pretty much. But then it's like, what are you missing because of this panic where it's like it's kind of a similar thing to the cars where it's like, well, we're so panicked. We don't think to press the brake, yeah, which you, would stop the car. Mm hmm. 
you know, you don't think about it. And it's, I think that's probably partially the reason that a lot of abductions is like it, if you don't get them within the first 24 hours, like it's unlikely because what have you missed? You only have like this little bit. And the other thing is like, you think about one of these cases where it's like, yeah, it's a cold case, but there was a literal witness to the crime. Like there was someone who saw it happen and still like, we can't, there's no, it's just yeah, it's crazy. Cameras, thankfully, are changing everything. I yeah, I'm sure I definitely statistically think statistically that cameras have helped a lot of cases, but um, I don't know what to say. I was gonna say something about how cameras, be, being able to watch history happen. That's what why I like cameras so much is because you can replay things that you'd never remember. Yeah, it's so true. And like the human brain is not very trustworthy. Why can't you take witness testimony for 100% fact? Because your brain will literally fabricate things. Yes, they write stories. If you, you can, think about it. You can it. convince somebody that they did something that they didn't do. Miss McLaughlin did that to a kid in class. What? Explain. Okay, so there's a kid, um, obviously a skater guy. So she used that method. She, um, I can't remember the exact scenario, but she said it was like right in front of the high school that he got a ticket or something because he was skating in the street or something. And then the guy kept subtly agreeing. He was like, I think I did that. Did I do that? He kept going back and forth and Miss McLaughlin just kept pushing and pushing that she was in her car watching him. And then he finally admitted to doing it. So he, his brain completely made up that story that Miss McLaughlin was pushing on him. That's so, yeah, that's just terrifying. Like, I hate the thought that I've told this story. Actually, I did talk about this on the podcast, like, I think a couple weeks ago. So I'll give a super short version. But like my entire life, I believed I had a tooth pulled. And I just recently found out that I've never had a tooth pulled. Like, I just completely (laughs) fabricated the entire experience. Yeah. And like, sometimes I just wonder, I'm like, what else do I remember that probably never happened? Yes, I know. know. Oh, my gosh. If you accidentally think some one thing and then you keep going back to that memory, you'll just believe it. It's kind of scary. Yeah. And it's also another thing where it's like, this is why it's good to have like an Amber Alert is because it's just like you can so easily. Once you have the information, like once it gets passed around over days or whatever, it's so easy to like completely just flip the information, not remember like what color the car was, what make, what model. Yeah. But it's good that now it's like they once they know like they have one person who saw it or something and they get the make model and they send it out to everyone so it's like here's the information yeah, they and they're not fresh. yeah here's like what you're looking for instead of just being like i think it was you know what i mean yeah. which is just much better but honestly like kind of just going back to the whole case we just covered and everything it's like i find these cases super fascinating where it's like you can see today the impact that one case had and it's like obviously amber is nine years old and like had her whole entire life ahead of her and it's just like the most tragic thing you can think of is like a child being killed and assaulted but then it's like you also have to consider this like there's 897 kids who are back with their families and like are safe and happy yeah because of this thing that came about from something terrible so it is just really like such a fascinating situation all these cases that have to do with like law and changes in how we treat crime are just very very interesting to me yeah but yeah obviously amber's death is a huge loss terribly sad horribly sad yeah she she would be like what in her 30s right now yeah around there yeah but um on that very sad note i think it's time to transition to a little bit of a happier segment i think you're right Happy things. Have you missed that noise? <laughs> yeah, actually. It, it reminds me of fairies. Yeah, it's something something like that. I kind of forgot all the horrible things that we just talked about. So let's, let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> well, happy things is the segment on this show where we try to end it with what they call in broadcast journalism, the kicker. So the, uh, the happy bit at the end of all the terrible things. So we're just going to give one good thing that's happened in our week or one good thing that's going to happen in our week next week or something like that or in, even in the next month. Chase, would you like to start? Um, yes. Let me just think of something really quickly. Oh, okay. I got it. It was, what, four days ago we finished shooting a music video. Um, 
It looks so good. Yeah, we pretty much stole Emma's location. I'm kidding. <laughs> it was a, it was a coincidence, but um, it was a nice run and gun shoot in the middle of the desert, and it went really well. We had um, this is the most people we've probably ever worked with because Ryan and Larson, the two lead singers, they both drive Honda Odysseys, and then they filled them to the amazing. <laughs> they filled them to the brim with just their friends. So we had a bunch of people on set. So I think the atmosphere of the films uh, of the music video is gonna look really cool. So that was probably one of the best days of the break so far. What That's about you? so awesome. I'm also I'm really looking forward to it. Chase and I and our friend Lauren and Emily are going to Lake Arrowhead in like four days. Oh, and I'm very excited. The yeah, this location is gonna be very nice too. I'm super we, we're going to have the lake in the background, I'm guessing. We're going to try to, but I have this place where my friends like got this cabin and behind oh. it, there's this beautiful like trail with all these trees like oh, that's completely awesome. covered in snow right awesome. now. So yeah, I'll, I'll post a link to that music video actually on the Horrible Things page when okay. it's done in case anyone's interested in checking it out, both Caitlin's and ours. So that should be really, really fun. I'm excited. Yeah. But um, I see you have some books in your I have hands. some books because my happy thing this week is that I finished all the books I wanted to read in 2019 pretty much, which actually I've kind of been in a reading slump, sadly. I hadn't <laughs> read that many. I reread, <laughs> I was trying to like reread books from my childhood. So I read like Five Feet Apart. I read All the Bright Places again. I read the Twilight books again. <laughs> I read um, Monster of Florence. I read Stranger Beside Me. Like a bunch of really great books that I had tons of fun reading this year. But it is January. And so it was time to restock on books. So I'm just going to quickly read out my book recommend, my uh, reading list for 2019 so far. So if you guys... <laughs> have read any of these books or want to read along that would be lovely right now i'm in the middle of reading night circus which is like a fantasy kind of it's like a dark fantasy it's really really interesting it's got like magic and craziness it's awesome <laughs> truly devious which is a mystery uh scythe which is like a dystopian sci-fi one which is seems really cool i haven't read these yet but uh strange the dreamer which is like a it's about like this from what I've gathered, it's about this, like, uh, lost city. And then I've got um, The Astonishing Color of After, Turtles All the Way Down, The Sun is Also a Star, Carry On, The Strange and Beautiful Sorrows of Ava Lavender and Eliza and Her Monsters. So if you guys have read or are going to read any of these, let me know. We'll do a little book club. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just looking forward to, like, many more books in 2019. I always enjoy the... The yearly um, trek to Barnes and Noble to pick up my <laughs> my reads for the next year, I just love it. For somebody who's been on multiple podcasts, I only listen to one podcast. Okay, two podcasts: the Horrible Things podcast, <laughs> but the other one it is a a film. Uh, it's it's called how How did I get this gig? So pretty much, it's up this production head that interviews a bunch of people about how they got their jump start into the industry. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did you know there's... Have you ever heard of audio dramas? No, but is this like a, a movie but only sound so they like construct it so it's only Yeah, kind of like a TV show. That's so there's really like cool. episodes and it's basically like people, they have like a whole cast and like they have people who act out the thing, like parts of it. It's kind of like, you know how in the 50s they would do like Superman and all those things on the radio? Uh, yes. It's yeah, like with that. all the sound effects. But yeah. people create like their own series basically of um it's like different podcast episodes every week that continue the story so like new episodes oh, of cool. the tv show and it's like eventually you have a completed story pretty much and it's all audio that's really cool i know it's so i love like the podcasting space is just awesome there's so many different like th there's something for everyone yeah we um it, it's cool because we went from radio to tv and we're now back to radio yeah that podcast except it's, more accessible yeah no it's because i think it's because how mobile it is to listen to podcasts dude that's what i love about podcasts is i will be podcast i will be <laughs> listening to a podcast and driving and eating or i'll be like <laughs> listening to a podcast and folding laundry and like yesterday i was listening to a podcast and painting 
like i just like um, you can just do it anywhere yeah i love a good multitask and <laughs> podcasts are perfect for you can't it is impossible to multitask while watching tv because you miss everything like so much yeah, of television and movies is like the art of cinematography so if you're looking away you miss it but with a podcast like it's meant for people who are busy so that's why i just love it like yeah. i could easily one of my favorite podcasts is called potterless um it's like about this guy who reread or who read harry potter for the first time when he was like 25 so he made a podcast as he was reading it for the first time and like that podcast is over 100 episodes long and i have i listened to every single episode of it in like five months oh my so gosh. crazy like a good podcast to me is just as good as reading a book it's like an audiobook well that's cool. but yeah well i think we're gonna end the episode there yes oh shoot we talked about a nine-year-old dying we did sadly uh Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Horrible Things. If you want to find us on a week when it's not a Tuesday, you can go ahead and find us on social media at Horrible Things Podcast, or you can go and become a patron at patreon.com slash horrible things. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can go ahead and go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rate and review. It helps us get found by new listeners and just helps the podcast get bigger. But most importantly, thank you guys just so much for listening, for telling your friends. Make sure to continue to tell the people around you if you enjoy listening to the podcast as much as we enjoy making the podcast. You guys rock. But I just want to remind you to remember that audio mediums are great if you've got a face for podcasting. And if you have a pickup truck, remember, pick up two by fours, not little girls. And most importantly, <laughs> don't, don't do horrible, horrible things. things. Thank <laughs> you.